right in uh, to the depths of it, talking about what does our kind of life together look like on a Sunday. We really talked about what are the things that we can do that will shape our life, shape how we do our Sunday services specifically. Um, I've been given the uh, wonderful pleasure of talking about what is actually, what can our life look like, not just within the building with here on a Sunday, but actually also what does our life look like outside of here, right? Beyond the walls. I don't know if you know this, but Sunday um, is not the only thing that happens in our Christian life, but actually our day-to-day living. Apparently, just Graham knew that on the front row, which is really wonderful. He's the pastor, (laughs) thank God. Um, Because I think there is actually something really big here, that oftentimes in life, we can get really concerned with maybe just the Sunday, when actually it's the Sunday and the Monday, right? Um, And those two things need to talk to each other. So, this morning, we're going to be kind of talking about not Sunday, but rather Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the week, and how what we love, how our faith in God can shape that to be a kind of life that I would argue um, is really important, because what we need um, in this world is we need people who are really sold out to living the Christian life daily, right? Daily. It's a quiet room this morning, isn't it? Did I, am I wearing something wrong? You don't like, no, okay, it's fine. Um, now, we've been calling these uh, the trellis. Um, <laughs> Graham's been calling them the trestle, that's true. Um, it's not a trestle, it's a trellis. Um, I was trying to find the same, is that the same picture you've been using? Or have you, you've been using another one, haven't you? Yeah, I just, I googled trellis, um, that's what came up. There's lots of different designs, as you can see. But really the thought behind it is that we can sort of shape our life, which will shape how we grow. By doing things daily, weekly, as habits, yearly, it'll actually not only shape who we are, um, but also we can think really deeply about how we want to shape who we are. This is kind of a really important distinction. So, we took stock with what our Sundays look like, but we also need to ask the question, what does the Christian life look like outside of these walls. Now, the purpose of the scripture reading of by Dan, which was really fantastic, um, is I think when we think about what does the Christian life look like outside of these walls, um, we have to answer this question first, well, what on earth does it sort of mean to be Christian, not on a Sunday? What does it mean to be Christian in our day-to-day life? And usually one of the distinctions or the ways we've come to this conclusion has been a reading and a summary of this John 17 prayer of Jesus. If you don't know where we're at in the story, Jesus is about to be arrested and then crucified. Just before that, he actually wants to pray for his disciples and then he prays for the whole world. And this is that really complex Bible verse which Dan just shared with us earlier. Thanks again, Dan. Now, the summary, Dan's already read it, but the summary we get out of this Bible verse is this really beautiful tweetable comment, which most of Christianity and the best kind of Christianity is what you can tweet. (laughs) It always works out right. Um, With this concept, though, of being in the world, but not of the world. Have you guys heard this before? Yeah, we've heard it, right? So, we can be in the world, but not of the world. Well, Today, I'm, like, I'm still trying to figure out what that actually means, <laughs> because that's kind of really complicated, isn't it? Is that to say that we are to, and I think there's actually been, um, like, what is that actually saying? In the world, but not of the world. Christianity has handled this quite a few different ways throughout history, I think. Um, and don't worry, I'm not going to 
bust out the history books or anything like that, but I wonder if we could just look around into your own life and think about how you've tried to handle this concept of being in the world but not of the world. Um, for some of us, we've probably made like a divide between those things that are secular and things that are sacred. Maybe we've tried to make that divide of like, on Sunday, I do something, but then on Monday, those things don't really relate or something like that. I, I, th- I feel like we know that that doesn't work. Actually, us doing Cornerstone is on mission on a Sunday is kind of in direct opposition to that kind of thinking, actually. Um, again, it's like our habits shape who we are, but oh, who knows? I thought that was way funnier. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> Don't get caught up, Chris. Keep it going, mate. Keep it going. Okay. Um, I think that's one way that we've kind of responded, but it's really hard to know. It's hard to know um, when to zigzag with the world or when to zag when the world zigs. Because, like, I think we can look around and all agree um, we have been affected by culture and the world some way, right? The fact that there's drums in church, like, my granddad thought that they were, like, a secular instrument and weren't allowed in the church. He literally left a church over that in, like, the 70s or something like that. Um, so, like, already the fact that we've got drums here is kind of like a, oh, we've kind of have been affected by, like, the way... I don't know, the way we use technology today is showing us that we are affected by culture and we're using ways of the world, some people would put it, for example, right? So, if we're doing this thing, how do we know what to do? How do we know what's right and wrong? How do we know when to zig and when to zag? How do we know what to do in this situation? How do we know when to hold this tension between, between this in the world but not of the world. Can you see the problem I'm trying to highlight here? It's actually really difficult. Um, I would even argue, um, yeah, how do we navigate this tension? I've already done that. Keep going, Chris. Um, So I think one of the ways we've done this is we've set up boundaries. We've set up boundaries of this is sacred, this is secular. This, my my life of uh, Christianity relates to these things, but not these things. Like I said, it probably doesn't really work. The other way we've tried to do it actually is control. where we've gone, well, the best way for us to make sure the world is good is we'll send out Christians to take over the world. (laughs) Kind of like almost like an empire. Like we're like, let's get Christians in all the high levels of politics and then we'll have Christian policy and then everyone will be living a Christian life and that's a great way to do things. Um, I think there's some merit in that, but I, I... I just feel like humanity stuffs things up a lot. Like, <laughs> I just feel like we're going we're gonna to ruin that one way or the other, right? Like, we're going to mess that one up. The other option, then, is to separate. Um, and we do this one a lot as well. We go, well, if we can't engage with the world because we're not of it, let's build our own little Christian world. Um, and again, like, I'm not saying these things are bad. I think it's us trying to work at this tension where we're like, well, I'll only buy from Christian businesses I'll only shop, I'll only wear Christian clothes, I'll only wear, listen to Christian music, I'll only listen to, I don't know, Christian people, I'll only talk to Christians. Like, we kind of set up this little world where it's just... I think all of these things actually misunderstand the words of Jesus where he's sending us into the world, don't they? I think if we abstract ourselves away or if we try to control things... We're missing these words of Jesus in this tension, which is us, you and I, being sent into the world. Can you see where we're going with this? So I would argue this, and this is me getting to the point which you've been waiting for. I would argue that you and I have the potential and the ability to live a life in such a way that is understanding how to work in these two tensions 
And it's shaped by what and who we love. Now, I don't know if it's who or whom in that context. Can anyone help me out? Is it whom or? Is it whom? It's whom, everyone. I put the slash in just because I didn't know. So it's shaped by whom we love. This life that we can live in the normal world, in our day-to-day, being shaped by whom we love. Now, I feel like the way I'm getting to this point and the reason why I'm going here is because I think if we can understand how we live in the world and interact with being in the world but not of the world, we'll truly realise the gravity of our life, the gravity of the way you and I live and the way you and I shape our life in our day-to-day So we actually see these a little bit later on in that same scripture passage that Dan so wonderfully read for us. In verse 23, it says this, and this is Jesus again now praying for everyone. It says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And verse 26, I have made you known to them. I can't read up there. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. There is this way of Jesus living his life, which is making the love of God known and is actually making people realize that they are loved by God. And I'm kind of really convinced that if we build our life in a certain way, the way we live our life is going to make God known and it's going to make other people know that they are loved by God. So the way you and I live our life, the way we build our trellis and interact with culture becomes vitally important because I think Jesus doesn't sort of see culture as something to run from or to fear, but something that he has a responsibility to and something he even tries to like cultivate, like something he's a part of, something he's trying to build. This is like a, I think this is a different way of looking at this circumstance, but you and I actually have the ability to change culture just as much as we have the ability to be changed by culture. Does that make sense? Like, um, I think we can see all through church history, Western society is built upon a lot of Christian principles, and also sometimes the church looks like it's got a lot of things from the world as well. This is a, a, a relationship that's reciprocal in a lot of ways. So you and I have this ability to live life That's not just transforming our world, but it's actually transforming the world around us as well. So these practices we can do are not just vital for our own faith. It's actually vital for the the faith, the life of the world. Does this make sense? I know I'm putting a lot of like responsibility on us all. (laughs) Um, But I think that's living with an awareness of what we're actually doing here. So what does this look like? So my goal for the next little bit is actually to get as practical as possible with this, uh, where we're literally going to talk about ways I think our life can look that will shape the way, not only shape us, but shape the world around us as well. Um, One of the ways I'd like to start with this, actually, um, is giving like an example from uh, friends in our church, which is Chris and Charlie Granger. Um, One thing I've noticed about Chris and Charlie Granger when they ran the tiller um, I know the tiller really well. I got married there. Um, it was serious, but yeah. Um, was that the worst joke? Um, this is just for you, Chris. Um, 
what is the Tiller? The Tiller was a cafe that Chris and Charlie ran. And one thing I remember talking to them once, and they just sort of mentioned it in this offhand comment, which was every shift, their employees get one free coffee to give to someone that comes through their doors. That maybe they see someone and go, this person looks like they've had a rough day. I'm going to give them a free coffee. And it's like on the house. And what I realized in that, that just looks like a plain act, like a really easy deed. But what's actually going on there is Chris and Charlie are building a culture, they're building a trellis for Christians and non-Christians, by the way. They didn't just have all Christian staff there. That giving was a habit that was being formed in those people. So their lives, even when maybe these people who were non-Christian weren't even realizing it, were finding that they were building a habit of giving as something they practice. Do you, can you see the gravity of that? <laughs> I think that's out of this world. And I think that there is these opportunities for you and I that when we go out into our workplaces, we can live in such a way that creates habits of things like generosity, habits of things like love, habits of things like sacrifice, habits of things like that actually will transform those people around us. So, we're going to talk about how can we do this in community, in family, and individually. We're going to start with community. Now, community, I've actually got a video from the, the man himself, uh, the live link from Dwayne Van Vuren coming to us live from Cairns, the International Space Station. I should have actually just put a filter behind him. Um, no, so Dwayne's actually, if you didn't know, Dwayne uh, looks after all of our life groups at church. He does such an amazing um, job of that. He's been doing it for a little while. Um, but also him and Cheryl are actually currently up in Cairns because their daughter and son-in-law are about to have their first baby, which is very excited, uh, excited, exciting. The baby's probably excited as well. We'll see. A lot of screaming, actually. Maybe they're not that excited. <laughs> um, Meg, could you run the clip? I love the reciprocal nature of how what we love shapes what we do, what we do shapes our faith. And then that again shapes what we love. I love life groups. I love the fact that we can come together and gather. And I know over the last few weeks, we've been exploring what liturgy could look like in corporate worship in church. And today we are exploring what does that look like outside of the church context. When you think of life groups, you either have a life group by default or by design. And I know Chris has explored that thought with you. So I want to just stop and say, well, let's look what a life group could look like by design. And I'm going to lean into the messages of the last three weeks. I love, love life groups, totally. I'm a big advocate for what life groups mean. Cheryl and I have had the privilege of leading life groups, building life groups, overseeing life groups, being a part of it. Heck, it was being a part of a life group that actually saw me embark on ministry, saw me absolutely shaped into the person that I have become today. So when we think about the three messages over the last three weeks and we think about life groups, I just want to stop and reflect on a, a, a week ago, I actually in life group said to somebody or said to our group, what would it look like based on what has been shared over the last three weeks? How could this look in life group? 
And the conversation that followed was both engaging and stimulating. So out of the last three weeks, out of experience and out of conversation that I've had most recently, I want to talk about four things, four practices, for want of a better word, four liturgies that we do by design in a life group. The first one is our response to God. I've shared before about how Christmas I would love coming around the Christmas tree as as a grandchildren. We'd all sit around the matriarch of the family. It was our response to the matriarch to be there and to be in awe of the tree and, and the celebration that happened, the community that came out of that moment. So for us as a life group, when we come together, we're coming together as part of a bigger family, but in a smaller context. And it is our response to God. It is us coming together around the feet of our Father to worship Him, to adore Him. Just this week in life group, our prayer journal, our first line in our prayer journal was a response to God, thanking Him that we can be drenched in His mercy. The second thing is participation. I know on a Sunday morning, every one of us can be given an opportunity, but 150 people later is two two to three hours later. So not everyone's going to get a chance on Sunday to participate actively um, while we might participate in worship or in prayer or in a smaller group of of a huddle of, of sharing something. It's truly in the life group that we get to participate in something, to share our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, our understanding of the scripture. The third thing is the sharing of the word, coming around the word. And I love the concept of taking a scripture from Sunday, taking um, um, a, a message from Sunday and deep diving and wrestling with it to find application for each and every one of us, not just in hearing a sermon, but in actually that sermon living through us that other people can hear it through us. So we get to share the word. And the final thing is commitment that we actually make a covenant with each other as a life group to not just say we're going to pray for each other, but to truly pray for each other, to be there for each other. I love the concept I heard in a song recently that Sir Tom Jones wrote um, at the passing of his wife. And his wife just said to him just before she passed, hey, uh, things are going to happen to me. Can you not crumble if I fall? And I think a life group holds that at the essence of what we do. Everything we do, our response to God, our participation, our sharing of the word and our commitment to each other says, hey, we're here for each other. We're here together. We're here to do this together. If you don't go to a life group yet, just ask around and find one. Find one that you can be you in. One where you can enjoy the value, the treasure, of being together and let it shape you and shape your faith. Thanks, Dwayne. I'll tell Dwayne no one clapped. No, (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) That was ridiculous, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Um, As Dwayne sort of really aptly explored, there's this really kind of important thing that we're really purposeful about as a community um, is to spend time in community outside of the four walls as well, um, to know that, and I think we heard real testament to that with Chris and Erica today, just talking about how they invested in other people's lives, but 
not only, yes, they were doing that wholeheartedly and giving of themselves, but realizing that they're receiving much more than they could ever give. And I think that's kind of the really important function of community is no matter how much you're kind of investing into it, I, I, I know from my kind of history is it feels like there's always more coming back at you. And there's something really profound about that. Um, on life groups as well, like Dwayne sort of shared this really great liturgy that really forms how we do life groups here at Cornerstone of these response to God, sharing of the word, praying for one another. Um, there was another one, I don't know, I forget. But it's just these four things really shape how we do this together when we're, when we're with one another because it's shaping who we are in our faith. Um, actually, Carla... Um, was a part of a house church growing up, a home church. And one of the things that she uh, shared with us for our life group to do when we meet together is on someone's birthday every year um, when it does happen, as a life group, we actually uh, one way that we do is to celebrate relationship and celebrate that person is on the birthday, we have cake, yes, but we also actually gather around the person and we just pray for the person for the year. We thank them for who they are. We pray, we ask God to speak through us for that person. Um, and I actually, I had the op- awesome opportunity on the 13th, which was the day after my birthday. Um, and like, I can still remember the prayers of someone like Tom, for example, um, telling me, like, I don't want to say them out loud because they're, they're, they're things that I hold so close and dear to me. And I think that just shows something that we value and it's something that we practice, that we actually put value on relationships and people. And that habit that we do every year in our life group, I always find afterwards I feel a little bit closer to that person. I feel like I got to share a little bit of those things in me that I appreciate about that person. And you know what? I think it's really important for us to hear those things sometimes as well. Um, I know it was so beneficial for me to hear those things that Tom prayed, for example, um, Tom's a great prayer. He just put his, he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, we can do this as well in our family. Um, I'm very open and honest to say I don't have kids. And I think there's a lot about this that I can't speak into. But I will say I have been a kid. <laughs> um, and I can actually remember certain things that we did in my home that really helped shape who I was as a Christian um, growing up and helped me shape my, shape my faith. Um, one of them was... Um, is we used to read the Bible to each other when I was about 10, 11 years old. Um, And I remember reading the message translation and through the Proverbs, it was actually signed by Sean Hart, which is an AFL player from the 2000s, which I thought was the coolest thing in the whole world when I was an 11 year old. Um, But doing that habit actually formed within me this deep desire to want to read scripture. what? A 12-year-old boy wanting to read scripture? Yeah, I was the weird one, right? But it was because my father chose to invest in me every week, uh, multiple times a week, this kind of like, hey, Chris, come into my bedroom, sit on the bed, and let's read the Bible together. And like, it stuck with me, right? I could still quote to you Proverbs without even probably realizing. That's why I'm so wise, right? I've been... (laughs) And everyone said no. <laughs> um, but this thing actually shaped and formed who I was. And it meant that I can now live a life in the world as a part of culture, as a life that's actually built upon wisdom that's celebrated within our scriptures. Do you see how that small habit from being 11, 10 years old 
actually, actually now shapes who I am and it shapes the world around me in a lot of ways. Um, next, oh, also another one is um, I, I know a person um, who every birthday uh, they all sit down and they talk about, um, this is a family, and they all kind of tell the birthday person what they love about them in the family, like what's something that's really special about them. I wish we did that as a family, um, but I think that's, again, like these practices that we can do to show these things. Um, individually, I'm going to go through these really quickly. I've actually got a really long list. Um, but what I thought was really important to this is almost like, I mean, if I can grab the band up as well, um, individually, I think we've actually got the potential um, to show who we are in the world as a point of difference a little bit as well. Um, so I kind of wanted to shape these examples around, these ways, these habits that we could form around things that were actually answers to problems in culture at the moment. So almost like as a sign of protest, <laughs> um, but like as a physical action of protest that's not marching the streets, but maybe it's like, well, we'll see in a moment what they are. Um, so, um, in a world, in a culture of anxiety, Christianity encourages a life of peace. In this, I find it in the habit of meditation. Um, Jesus, the man who had so much pressure, like the world's pressure on his shoulders, is constantly taking time out, away from every distraction and being by himself quiet in meditation. And that quietness in the early mornings it talked about, I've actually started to try to build into my life, getting up that half an hour, that hour earlier, to try have moments without distractions in my life, where I can strip everything away. And I'm finding that as I now operate in life, as I walk through my day-to-day, -day, as I'm at work, I'm a less anxious presence and I think people can feel that, right? People can feel that around us, Christian or non-Christian. They can feel there's something a little bit different. It, we're out of time, so let me just read some of these out to you. Um, in a culture of greed, Christianity asks us to be generous. And I think Chris and Charlie's, that, that building that habit of giving is so incredible there to shape who we are. In a culture of doing everything in our strength, Christianity asks us to trust in God. And we see that again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminding us of that we have trust in the Father more than anything else. So I hope that today, in conclusion, I hope you were reminded that your life not only shapes who you are and shapes your faith, but it also shapes the world around you. And I hope that you feel challenged to not just live a life for yourself, but actually a life that is totally and utterly convinced of your goal here on earth to show others that they are loved by God. I pray that your life, that our life together daily can be shaped by those habits, which will shape our faith and will shape the culture we're a part of. Would you stand with me?